Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. We're advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, and research. Welcome back to the Pain Management and Joint Replacement Podcast brought to you by the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons Patient Education Committee. I'm Dr. Trevor North, an orthopedic surgeon who specializes in hip and knee replacement in Detroit, Michigan. And I have with me today Dr. Mark Giska, a specialist in perioperative pain management. We are embarking on our third of three segments on the topic of pain management following joint replacement. And in this segment, Mark and I will look at options for post-operative pain control and complications to watch out for that can relate to pain management. I'd like to spend a little bit of time now just in the last phase where anesthesia and the orthopedic surgeon team kind of work together to manage this post-operative pain. And that phase is that period immediately following surgery in that recovery room. A lot of patients in the clinic, when I'm talking to them about the surgical day, they want to know what happens when I wake up in the recovery area and will I be in pain? And with some of the information that we've gotten from you already, Mark, with respect to spinal anesthetic versus general anesthetic and a block or a peripheral nerve block versus no peripheral nerve block, can you help a patient kind of navigate some of those questions? You know, what happens when I wake up and will I be in pain? Right. So again, the way medicine works, there's oftentimes not a one-size-fits-all solution to all of our problems. We would like to think that every patient will wake up nice and comfortable, pain-free. That doesn't happen all the time, but we like to, we can kind of predict and kind of see you know, how well the procedure is going and kind of work in pain medication. A lot of times we notice that the patients are waking up from their surgery. We can notice what their pain levels are before they're fully awake. And a lot of times we'll start giving pain medication as they're waking up as well. Again, safety is our highest priority as well. So um, a lot of the pain medications that we give have side effects. Uh, a lot of times the anesthesiology team will kind of err on the side of caution rather than giving pain medication up front, we'll work it in and give it in smaller doses. Mark, do you notice as a regional pain expert that there is any difference in how much pain patients are having in that initial wake-up period if they've had a spinal versus a general anesthetic? So, yes, we've noticed that usually pain seems to be better in that recovery area um, initially out of surgery once they've had the spinal in place. Um, just because, again, their legs have been numbed up by the spinal and there's, quite frankly, don't feel the pain as much initially. That said, though, with the general anesthetic, if a peripheral nerve block was done before going back to surgery, a lot of times that pain isn't as bad either. They have that knee nice and numbed up from the nerve block, and even though they maybe didn't get the spinal, it's still relatively painless as well. I guess that's just another really good example of what you had mentioned previously about how we can attack or block a lot of these pain pathways before they're really acting and people are perceiving this pain. I know one in the current literature, and there's a poster in probably every surgeon's offices, is about how we are trying to minimize the use of narcotics 
after surgery, certainly before surgery, but even after surgery as well. Being part of the acute pain team, what would you say is bad about narcotics? Why do we really want to try and avoid those if we can? Narcotics or what we call opioids, they do have fairly significant side effects with them, as we all know. Actually, not just passing out, but even some things that we may think of being relatively benign, like constipation, for instance. Constipation is known to be one of the most common side effects from narcotic pain medications. Half of people that take stronger opioids end up having constipation, and that can affect the recovery by causing abdominal swelling, causing dehydration from the constipation. It can cause nausea and vomiting, 25% of people as well. And that can make an otherwise successful surgery and recovery process be really, really unpleasant if you're nauseated and kind of vomiting all day long. There's also new evidence, especially in elderly population, that it can cause what we call delirium, basically, like altered mental status, where you're just not acting like yourself because uh, the narcotics also affect the brain as well. And so higher doses, we can see people are just not acting like themselves. And that can kind of interfere with the recovery process as well. So there's many reasons why instead of doing a unimodal, one-mode narcotics, switching over to this new idea of multimodal pain relief. And Mark, you mentioned a couple of topics that I think are really important for people and often fairly distressing for people who are coming up to surgery. And I'd like to just touch on a couple of those things now before we wrap things up. Often I'll get a question in clinic and someone will say that, I've had previous surgeries and I have this really difficult time with nausea and vomiting after the surgery. Can you promise somebody that they're not going to have nausea and vomiting after a surgery? And if you can't, how do you try and minimize that? Right. So certainly there's no single cure that we have for nausea after surgery. That said, though, there are, especially if you know ahead of time, if someone's had problems with anesthesia in the past or nausea in the past kind of help prevent that by giving them extra medications. The nausea after surgery is usually caused by a part of the brain that senses nausea or perceives nausea. And just like with pain, there's multiple pathways and we have different classes of medications as well that can kind of help prevent nausea. And just briefly, most people get at least one type of medications, one types of these medications while they're asleep or before they go back to surgery. We know someone has prior problems with this in the past, we can give them extra, basically, or different types of medications, not just one, but maybe like three or four, and then save some for after surgery as well if they're still having problems. Okay, that's great that we've got several different options for medications that may help with either preventing nausea or vomiting or after nausea and vomiting might start that uh, will help control it. Some of the other things that we've already talked about is the fact that using this multimodal regimen, using regional anesthesias, peripheral nerve blocks, minimizing opiates or narcotics. The other things I tell people ahead of time or prior to surgery is making sure that they stay hydrated ahead of time. That can often help with nausea following the surgery. And then often people are very eager to 
start their oral intake immediately after surgery, and I usually try and just caution them to take it slow. And often those things, in combination with the medications that you mentioned, Mark, can can make a pretty marked difference on how that uh, person recovers with respect to that nausea. The last point that I wanted to talk about before we start thinking about wrapping up was confusion and and how that uh, relates to the postoperative course. I get the question in clinic quite often where let's say a mother and a daughter have come in and the mother is there for the surgical consultation for a hip or a knee replacement and they want to know whether or not my mother is going to be confused after surgery. Sometimes it's because they've known someone that's had confusion afterwards or maybe that person is prone to that after surgery. In terms of the anesthetic process, and the very early post-operative period in the recovery room. What kinds of things does the anesthesia team try and do or trying to employ to minimize that confusion uh, after surgery? Some some confusion after surgery or after your procedure. There's a few things we like to do before, during, and after surgery to help prevent that. Just as a little background, studies have shown about 10% of people over the age of 65, when they take some sort of cognitive test before surgery, notice a little bit of change even after surgery, a few weeks after. So it's certainly something that we're aware of and want to help address. If someone comes in and has noticed problems with that surgery in the past, that's very helpful to know from an anesthesia point of view. So we can kind of start employing resources or making modifications to anesthesia plan ahead of time. But there's other things we can do, such as, again, lessening the amount of narcotics or opioids that they get, reducing some of the medications that may cause some drowsiness or sleepiness, like Benadryl or steroids, cut Demerol out of the, that's been shown to be a problem with that as well. So we'll we'll cut that out of the medication regimen. Other things postoperatively as well, simple things can be done, such as ensuring people get a good night of sleep while they're in the hospital, having family members at the bedside, making sure people have their glasses or hearing aids while in the recovery area too as soon as possible so they can become what we say reoriented to their surroundings. So really there's things we can do with medications like I've mentioned before and other simpler things that seem to actually help a lot. Yeah and that's often something that I talk to people about as well. Some of the things you mentioned that you're sort of the expert with the medications piece certainly but talking about sort of getting up moving around quite soon after surgery, early discharge, mainly to increase the familiarity of their surroundings, having them surrounded by familiar persons and making sure that they don't uh, have any uh, deficits with respect to hearing or vision. Well, Mark, it's been a pleasure to speak with you on the topic of pain and how the anesthesia and the orthopedic surgery team can work together to minimize early post-operative pain following joint replacement surgery. I'd like to thank you on behalf of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons and myself for your time and your expertise. Thanks so much, Mark. We do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit aahks.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate advocate and investigate in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.